initiating boat sequence, popping open a cold one, deploying fishing lures, float music paradigm engaged. Full Jimmy Buffett mode has been activated. Greetings, everyone. This is the Tomodachi Bros Podcast, Season 3, Episode 2. Today, joining me are the Dutaku. Hello. And the Clockwork Kitchen. What's up? So, today, uh, Dutaku saw a movie. And it was a movie that I talked about not too long ago. So, Dutaku, why don't you give us your rundown on it? Uh, it was, yes, the uh, Dungeons & Dragons Film, the one that came out uh, just a few months ago, Honor Amongst Thieves. Um, and I got to say, I did not have high hopes for this one. The uh, as, as I kind of alluded to in my comments on your review, Professor, uh, a lot of the rumblings I was hearing from the production team were not good. It, it I, I basically, first off, well, I mean, first off, the... Uh, as much as I love Dungeons and Dragons, the uh, out of the actual tabletop game, like the the media, is not good. We there was that one really really kitschy 1980s cartoon. There was that really awful 2000 film, uh, which I must admit I saw entirely too many times. But I was 12 at the time, and I. You know, I, 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 in those defense, they were dumb, but they were very fun, kind of. Yeah, fun. and I mean, I'll, I'll admit, you know, and this this might just be me, but, you know, the 2000 film did have a very attractive elf lady. So, you know. It, it has been so long since I've seen it, I would need to watch it again. But I remember the cartoon show pretty vividly and even as a kid i was like i don't fully understand what's happening but this is dumb and i love you know it. <laughs> the problem with that is that 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 was you know deep in the tsr a d and d second edition time and it's like it really does not capture how like brutal second edition is and how you know grognardy like the the overall um just feeling of D and D was at the time like how none of them were healers and yet no one ever actually died. Yeah. None of them were healers. None of them actually <laughs> died. Uh, you know, well, I think one was a paladin. Wasn't he like the coward guy I, was I a paladin? Wasn't he believe so? I, I honestly never saw it. Like, technically paladins can be pinch healers, yeah, but, but yeah. and see, here's the thing. Like you would, he would have had to have really high stats to be a paladin because you had to um, actually have certain stats to qualify to be uh, certain classes. Oh, and by the way, yeah, AD and T was pretty brutal. Oh uh, yeah, and by the way, you know it's the entire thing of oh, and I think the uh, the Capcom beat 'em ups actually do this still too, uh, where uh, what they call demi humans, like elves and dwarves, will 
actually have unique classes for them, which are basically just elf and dwarf. But they basically, basically, as I understand it, like um, elf was like a spell sword where it would be assumed that you were basically a wizard, but you would be given access to a bow and longsword. So basically, yeah, you'd be like wizard Legolas. And then the dwarf would effectively be what well, it's Gimli, but you would have. I w- it's like a really tanky warrior. Yeah, thing. so yeah. yeah, which um, I mean, I honestly don't hate that, but it just it. I don't know. I I like a lot of the the alternate settings for second edition because that's honestly where we got uh, Planescape and Spelljammer. And Dark Sun, a lot of really neat things. Oh, and, and Birthright, a lot of really neat settings. But inevitably, it's always, hey guys, let's go to Faerun. Hey guys, let's go to Greyhawk. Y- y- you literally mean Lord of the Rings, but you know, without you know the file, the serial numbers filed off. N- no. Yes. Yes. I mean yes. that. that <laughs> oh. I mean, out of all uh, those ones, I liked. Uh, I think I like Dark Sun uh, the most. Spelljammer is really cool, but Dark Sun was just a kind of a really cool. Like, like the idea of it was really stuck in my mind, at least for D and D wise. Yeah, like some of them were were actually very creative, and it, it did show that a lot of thought was put into some of them. I, so let's tie this back into the film, Detective Man, and. Uh, and uh, take it from there. What were your thoughts like overall? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I just came back. I, I am simultaneously doing uh, cooking my dinner and also doing this podcast. I am multitasking. Oh. I am being a bitch. dang. Look at you go. Therefore, I can be Ta- teeth bread. Ladies, he cooks. Yes. <laughs> but no, I was just saying, like in, in relation to the movie, uh, what were your thoughts? Um, well, honestly, I was pleasantly surprised. I I, I didn't really expect the uh, the main character. Uh, I do not remember his name. I know Chris Pine plays him, which honestly, I uh, Edgen. I was. Hmm? I think it was Edgen. Was I, I think that sounds right. But I was expecting. It's been a while since I've seen it. I was expecting him to be, you know, the the stereotypical in modern cinema. Hey, I'm super wacky. Hey, oh, a thing happened. <laughs> quit, 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 quit. Hey, I wish I was oh. in a Marvel movie. Hey, oh no, uh, a thing happened. I'm gonna be a bumbling fool. And it's he's not that. He's actually like a really, you know sincere genuine guy who's basically just a a widower who's you know trying to rescue his daughter and bring back his dead wife and yeah it's like on top of that he is yes he is a he's a kind of a rake and he is a bard but he's not you know the hey guys giggity 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 i'm a bard (laughs) yeah like i said in my review like people need a new shtick for bards it's really really old yeah um so which is funny because like you look at actual bards in like uh and see this is kind of my problem people need to uh read books but um 
you look at bards in in like medieval uh or even you know ancient mythology like the uh Palevala, and instead of being you know like rakish rogues they're they're more like wandering wizards basically i mean in the Kalevala, yeah. they they literally had a a one a situation where their their wizard slash bard created a uh, musical instrument and beat the snot out of a nature spirit who inhabited a bog that they needed to get past by basically shouting at him until he gave up. Yep. In fact, I played a game that was uh, loosely based on a couple of parts of the Kalevala. It was called Bruno, and it was really good. You guys should check it out. It's a free on Steam. Check it out. It's good stuff. So, um, yeah, and that's, that's kind of part of my problem is that um, honestly, there's just like there there seems to be kind of a dumbing down of just D and D and also a kind of fantasy literature in general. Um, I think in part due to D and D, but um, I, I will I will admit there are certain bits that I just did not really appreciate. Uh, like there was the there the tiefling that joined them and her entire thing is like. Uh, humans are always going to betray me. Uh, uh. Yeah, that that gets old so fast in fantasy media. It's like you are one step removed from being a human, and the one interesting story that tieflings have to their name, you're not taking advantage of. Yeah, so. which is funny. It's like you literally are descended from one of the archdukes of hell, and yet you're like, uh, demons will never betray me. And like, as opposed to demons? Question mark. Yeah, literal. Literal, actual demons. You know, yeah, so that's a interesting stance to take. And honestly, I'll be honest: of all the fantasy races, tieflings always seem to be played by the people least qualified to play them. I don't mean the actress; the actress is fine. But what I mean is, like in the actual context of the game, people want to play tieflings because they think they're hot. And I'm like, okay, here's a challenge: tiefling paladin who rejects their demonic heritage and needs to go on a crusade to cleanse themselves of their father's wrongdoing. Uh- there you go, guys. I made a character motivation for you. You, you go, need to look up, up Sandwich. Sandwich the Paladin. And that's basically <laughs> really? exactly what you're talking about. Okay, so there. Okay, so uh, the entire thing with that is effectively people were like, hey, how can we actually do like a drow except not awful? You're basically a dark elf. <laughs> and so their entire thing is, is that they're like, okay, so they have this drow, this drow toddler who is picked up by a dwarf after a raid on the Underdark. Except that, you know, um, so she is found by these dwarf warriors, and they're not going to kill an infant. So they, right. you know, put lots in order to figure out who's going to take her. And so um, the the one guy who takes her names her Sandwich because, like, she was in a bundle and the only good things that are in bundles are sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, okay. You, know, you have this. You have this dark elf girl who grows up in this uh, community. She she you know basically becomes uh, because of her you know drow lineage. She's you know really 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 fast. Really really good at you know ar- archering and uh, tracking and everything. But she constantly is, 
you know, made fun of by the dwarf girls in her social group because she's too tall. She's too, (laughs) you know, basically, yeah. You know, she doesn't have the, you know, the right hair because her hair is, you know, going to be very long, silky and, and silver as opposed to, you know, being, you know, ruddy and no, very bushy. And, and for those people who are like, dwarf women have beards. I do not care either way if you do or not see that's honestly not something i really care about that's just one of those things and so you know people who are going to be like surely it's like okay guys i don't care Tolkien had them you know i i understand that the witcher has those but you know what honestly it's one of those things where it's like and that's part of okay i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of go off on a tangent if i may Guys, here's the thing. Dungeon Masters, you are the ultimate arbiters of your world. You don't have to go, well, the book says that, you know, the alien dragon, that's where all the magic comes from. It's like, no, if you in your world goes, okay, all magic is actually the accidental, you know, IBS, you know, parts of you know a cosmic space jellyfish after eating you know interdimensional taco bell that that can be a thing okay you know if you want you know all of reality to just be the dreams of a a daydreaming you know space crystal dragon and you know the entire thing is you have to Make sure that the dragon never actually wakes up. Otherwise, all reality will just fade away. That's a thing you can do, too. It, you know, just because of the book says that, oh, this is the way it is. It doesn't have to be that way. And that's kind of my problem with a lot of these, a lot of these Dungeons and Dragons channels. They're like, well, the, the, the splat box says that, you know, the ancient civilization It's like, it doesn't matter. The, the dungeon master is the one who should say that. It's not, you know, it, this is not like a Bible. It, it's not, you know, oh, this is inviolable. We can never go against the book. That is incredibly boring. That is never how I've ever played D&D. And honestly, the fact that Wizards of the Coast seems to be like pushing that as, a, oh, well, you have to play by the way the rules are. It's like... That is so stupid and not the way that tabletop gaming is, which is funny to me that, you know, all these all these things are like, oh, well, you have to be, you know, inclusive to people. I've never been in a tabletop game where people are like, well. You're cross eyed. You can't play with us. Well, you're left handed. You can't play with us. Well. You can't, well, of course you can't, not. Gosh, you can't play with us. You know, it's that's never been a situation. I've always been like, oh, thank God. You want to play Dungeons and Dragons? Yes, please join us. We we need another person. You know, that's always been the thing. So, and besides, what are they going to do? Are they going to have the Wizard of the Coast, you know, Gestapo that's going to come in and be like, hold on. Are you playing a very inclusive game of Dungeons and Dragons? Are you? Tell me now. <laughs> well, well, I mean, yeah, basically, I guess that is what we're doing. So, you know, it's just one of those things that just blows my mind that 
just, I don't know. The people, first off, are uh, so kind of sensitive that they're like, well, you have to have rules for, for these things when ultimately it boils down to the dungeon master. And secondly, you know, communication in the group ultimately is where you should, you know, you should talk to people about things about, you know, if you feel yeah. uncomfortable in your group, because it, you know, honestly, that's, and that's a thing that like, honestly, I really, you know, had problems with in my groups too, is that people there, there were certain people that just were like, oh, I, I felt really out of place. Well, did you ever tell anybody? No. It's like, well, how are we supposed to know? So yeah, that complicates the waters just a little bit. And it's like th- there's rules for a reason, and the DM is there to either enforce, break, or bend those rules because the rule of fun trumps all other rules. I, I, I'm going to tell you something, and this is probably going to blow your mind. There, Professor uh, Clockwork. Mm-hmm. When, whenever I've been a, a DM, I've been very fast and loose with hit points. I've always, oh, dude, so I've I. always been like in our Shadowrun games. I, I deliberately go out of my way to make sure it's as entertaining as possible, even if it involves fudging things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, also, mean, I, could, I was gonna uh, say it's also really funny at times when because uh, I hate to say it, and I don't, and I can understand it too. So I was what I as I'm reading my sheet, and you're looking, you're looking at. I can feel you. I can feel you looking at me sometimes, Professor. It's like it's like is that is 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 this meat shield really a oh? His meat shield really is a meat shield. <laughs> no, no, like the thing is, part of that was conf- part of that was confusion because your character was a street samurai, and for some reason, I was under the impression that you were a hacker at the time. So your character just kind of comes out of the gate. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm a wreck it," and I'm like, "I'm sorry." <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good. I, play, I, I play the Decker so I play the Decker so much. That's kind of thought I just play yeah. Decker until uh, so I bust through the door. And go wait a minute, that's not a Decker. <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay, adjust plan accordingly. He he is a decker. He'll deck them right in the schnoz. Mm. Yeah, he did, because, like, I literally took your armor away for a fight. You barely took a scratch, and I sent three trained assassins after you. I mean, hats off, so to speak. Mm. (laughs) But that's the thing. I think that's something that that people really forget, is the experience is what the DM prepares for you. And, And honestly... In my experience, GMing is really like maybe 20 to 30% preparation and 70 to 80% being able to just respond to the crap your players are going to say. Yeah, I've never really, I'm, I'm also, this is going to be a, a kind of a confession on my part, but I honestly, I mean, I've, I have prepared, but it's not like, a, oh man, I have 60 pages worth of potential dialogue for, you know, all possible. No, no, no. Because I used to do that when I was a very, very green uh, dungeon master. And then it would go to a situation of, you know, all right, guys, what do you want to do? Well, we're going to talk to the people in town. Okay. Oh, man, this one, this one shopkeeper who, you know, is kind of a mutant and speaks with this really weird. We really like him. We want to know everything about this guy. 
You know, we want to know what's going on. We want to know what's you know it, happening in his life. What what problems he has. We really like this guy. We are going to focus entirely on him. What about the quest? Ah, that's all right. You know, somebody else will take care of that. We, we want to help this guy right here. We want to help Greg the mutant with his day to day problems. That's um. It was what's his face? Um, wasn't Igor? Oh, uh, are you talking about a game that I've been a part of, or is this, it something this else? This has been um, the one guy who who always shows up whenever you need something. Oh, oh, oh! Uh, the store owner, yeah. um, uh, Greg. Is it Greg? No, no. It, it wasn't Greg. I don't remember. I, I'll have to go back and watch my own you know, video because I don't gonna remember be, his gonna name. Be like shaking my head right now, guys. <laughs> guys, fail, fail, so much fail. We haven't. Okay, guys. Th- to be fair, we haven't done a tabletop game in a while. Though we've tried to organize a few. There's seven Tomodachi Bros and. We're all cats with our different schedules. If we're lucky to get three of us together, it's a good day. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. <laughs> but like, yeah, like the things, the thing that I've noticed, and this kind of ties back to what you were talking about earlier, Tutaku, about the homogenization of fantasy literature, is so much of a game is going to be call and response. I'm going to set up the basic outline and my players are going to respond to something in that basic outline in their own way. And then I'm basically going to have to just keep playing the double shuffle till we figure out some kind of you know, rising action, climax, falling action, kind of three arc, uh, three scene situation of some flavor. And it can vary. And here's the thing. I watched a little bit of uh, Critical Role, and they're really bad at this. Like, I, I, I don't hate anyone. To be fair, I like... Matt Mercer is a great voice actor. I know Nate Wants to Battle was in at least a couple of them, especially early on, and I love him. He's wonderful, wonderful people. Really, really mediocre role-playing experience. And a lot of that is because they are they're bogged down by that, it's in the book, guys. This is what the book says, and this is how we're going to do it by the book. And you get that that very... Blanc mange porridge flavor of fantasy, and it's incredibly generic, predictable, and really, really counterintuitive to the fantasy narrative because so much of it is ultimately mired in a very modern day understanding of ethics, moralities, and, and situations. And I was just astounded by how mediocre and bad it all is, and how many people want so badly to parrot it. And it's not even just in the realm of tabletop games. A lot of modern fantasy is like this, and the genre has suffered as a result. I don't know if it's on... I don't know if the onus is on D&D, or if it's on certain GMs, or or there's a certain mindset where fantasy is always, oh, there's there's the humans and the dwarves and the elves, and then there's the bad, evil shadow races, and then... Raid Shadow Legends uploads a million ads to your phone. It's like this is you know the opposite of fantasy. Honestly, uh, actually, I was I was gonna that that basically is the crux of what I wanted to talk about with this podcast. Um, I honestly, yeah, it's uh, 
I, I remember there's a um, interview with Michael Moorcock, the creator of Elric, and pretty much basically everything in modern dark fantasy. Uh, yeah, pretty much all of chaos in Warhammer, all of the entire conceit of like multiverse. That's him. The entire law versus yeah. chaos thing. That's him. But um, that being said, what I was uh, kind of alluding to was the fact that uh, he had a interview much, much later after he uh, basically completed Elric and he he's basically started doing like historical fiction. But anyways, he did this interview and he was asked, you know, what do you think of modern fantasy? And he goes, well, See, when I started writing, the great thing about write, uh, fantasy, the genre, was the fact that it could be literally anything, and you weren't sure what you were going to get. You could you could sit down, read something, and it would be anything. It could be well anything. Now in fantasy, it's gonna it it's very pre- boring, very predictable, and it's basically just the same thing, you know, one after another. It's the same thing. I probably wouldn't do fantasy and I, I completely get where he's coming from because it's all based off of Tolkien, but not like the book Tolkien. It's like the idea that people have in their head. The vagary. Yeah. Which is sad because like, if you actually read the Silmarillion, the Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit, it's nothing like that. It's, just kind of people have this in their head, like, oh, this is what fantasy is. It's it's elves and wizards and knights and dwarves who are all Scottish, and you know the, the elves are all hippies, and they're all like, we are so beautiful, but we are also of nature. Whoa. Not understanding why the elves in Tolkien were like that. Not understanding that actually, if you read the Silmarillion. Elves had their own cities and their own, like, basically they had uh, Zeppelins, they had cruise missiles, and they used very advanced weapons in order to fight against effectively just blocks of gigantic dragons and fire demons. The first stage was crazy. And the problem was is that pretty much because of the fighting between the uh, High Elves and Morgoth, you know, basically the world got ruined. That, that's that's partly why everything is so bad in Lord of the Rings. Um, but yeah, so it, uh, that's kind of uh, kind of my real beef with with fantasy now is that yeah it's pretty much oh it's always that it's always you know oh there's the shadow the shadow elves and there's you know the the shadow and the zomzoms and there's always the cthulhu monsters and they're always bad and they live in the dark hold of this the scary place and it's just very unoriginal very not a whole lot of thought is put into like the settings. They're not a whole lot of thought put into why things would be the way they are. And honestly, it's basically just, well, I mean, Tolkien did it. And I mean, Dungeons and Dragons did it. And they make, you know, the big monies. And I want to be the big monies too. 
it's just very sad. And honestly, that's that's why in my own writing, I'm like, I am not going to have any elves, not going to have any dwarves. I'm not going to do anything like that. Um, so, you know, I, I, I basically, you know, just like I'm going to create entirely new things. And so instead of, you know, oh, the dwarves are the ones who create technology. No, I have um, I have armadillo people who have uh, climate controlled suits because their bodies will actually necrotize and get leprosy. If they go outside of their their underground tunnels too long and they use uh, high technology in order to produce effectively magic it's not like magic magic but they they basically do like truly miraculous things with technology um i don't have elves i have these space dwelling basically super vampires who became the servants for a extinct race of lizard men who now all dress like Gregorian, uh, you know, butlers and maids and are these thousands and thousands and thousands of years old vampire people who, yeah, are just, they have this veneer of gen- of gentility, but they're also still bloodthirsty monsters and will, will kill you and drink your blood, you know, if they get too thirsty or you irritate them oh so it's just a modern day politician i don't (laughs) don't think the stock are would ever actually go into politics (laughs) i mean their entire thing is is that they're they're servants they're not they wouldn't you know be uh willing to actually put themselves into a uh state of authority but i mean maybe Well, no, and, and that's exactly the thing. It's like fantasy can can be anything. It can be any number of things with so much potential, and it, it's just elves, dwarves. See, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. Dragon. I remember when I started reading Elric for the first time, and I blew my mind. In one of the very early stories, they had a story whereupon Elric, who was this. Uh, spell slinging, very dour. Uh, basically, he he is effectively what the Drow want to be. This this incredibly hedonistic, incredibly destructive ancient race with with secret knowledge. And I, it blew my mind at the time because there was this entire thing about this evil sorcerer wanting to get this book, and it's the book from the gods of the previous era who had the all the sum of all knowledge in this book but before they were going to be killed by the the gods of new era they're like mang we don't care if you guys take over because we're all dying anyway but we're not going to make it easy for you and so they took their book and threw it into the sun from the planet that they were on and i was just thinking i had to put it down and go oh my god that means that there's like space that means that there's like wizards in space that is so cool and i was like wow you know that's a thing it's like 
that's not a thing that you would ever think of in any other situation. It's like wizards in space, science fiction and swords and sorcery together. That is, that is so cool. And yet that that's a thing that, you know, people would not do now because they're like, Oh, well you have your star Trek in the dungeons and dragons. You can't do that. That's, that's against the genre conventions. It's like, no, you know what? Maybe I do want phasers in my Dungeons and Dragons game. Maybe I, you know, want to set, you know, phasers to stun and zap the red dragon, and then make it my friend. It's called Shadowrun, and it's fantastic. And then make her my friend, and then she can be, you know, my my, you know, Shadowrun boss. <laughs> oh, don't deal with dragons, my friend. Unless you wife her, in which case, go for it. No, it's all right. I, I literally do not know how that would go because I don't think we've ever had a canon example. It's all right. Has to be loves me. <laughs> and that's kind of that's you said so. She made and gave me my sweet get alienware <laughs> gaming rig and everything. <laughs> it makes sense in context. That's kind of why I liked. Uh... Spelljammer in a way because I had this idea of like see like uh, spacefaring in a way in a fantasy setting and then Sp Spelljammer came out and I was like hey it's kind of like my idea but like manifesting like a real thing maybe people will play with me more we'll see want to play with that but the problem was I didn't find a lot of people who play D and D in general so I never got to really try All right, but uh, like the the idea was there. Air, but well, unfortunately never got to really do that <laughs> see, clockwork that's the thing that's that's honestly the thing is that you had a cool idea and it's like no one had done that before you got to think about it you know I, i'm gonna say this right now but back before um before tolkien elves were known as tiny or like basically were like pixies they were tiny little people that that would do mischievous things and hid, you know, behind hid people, or hid. Uh, bleh, sorry, I can't speak. <laughs> hid from people, uh, and basically were just uh, little fairies. Mm -hmm. They weren't, you know, these tall, willowy, you know, beautiful beings from you know a long dead past. You know, dwarves were these really ugly little creatures that lived in, you know, deep underground tunnels. They weren't, you know, that, that that was entirely, you know, the fault of Gimli. It entirely was Gimli. You look at, at the dwarves in The Hobbit, and they are nothing like the dwarf that, you know, the stereotypical dwarf that you see in Dwarf Fortress or Diggy Diggy Hole or anything. They're, they're not like that. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's because of Tolkien that we see things like this, you know, it's people have to have these ideas and then they, you know, create things. If you have an idea, you should express it. And, you know, if you do a good job, people go, Oh, you know, it's, I can, I can see that. I can understand that. You know, it's, it's kind of why I, I get frustrated with, like how just constraining modern fantasy is. They're like, oh well, you know, it's because of uh, the I'm sorry. Uh, as I said, I am mm -hmm. I am cooking and I have a timer and I thought I turned off my timer, but now it's off. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's all good. Yeah, I'm doing like three different. Like I said in the last episode, this is uh this is gonna be our experimental. This is our experimental film season. Yes, I, I I'm doing three different things right now. I'm cooking, I'm doing the podcast, and I have a, a dog on my feet. So you know, so a good day. <laughs> yeah, but that 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 is kind of entirely the point. Like, especially because Dwarven society in The Hobbit was was actually fairly sophisticated and didn't wasn't limited to just one mountain home. There, there was a lot going on, and Gimli was specifically the son of Glowin, one of the 13 dwarves who traveled with Bilbo. Mm-hmm. And people forget that. Like, Gimli spoke and like acted the way he did because that was the family tradition from the particular tribe he hailed from. Mm-hmm. And people say, oh, well, all dwarves must be like that, which is, which is why we had a good deal of fun uh, we wrote a D&D world, Itaku and I, uh, and we've got to play in it, but I'm very excited for the day where I, I finally get to do that. And uh, hey, that's, maybe that's an episode. We should, we should do that for the podcast and, and do that. Yeah, didn't we make all the, the <laughs> Dark Elves basically like Mad Max Australians, where they're like riding around? Yeah, the, all the elves. Nope. The, the elves and the Dark Elves are basically in not Australia, constantly at war <sighs> with each other, and they are literally they literally make up legends about lost treasures and dungeons so that they can trick people to come to their continent so they can eat them once they dehydrate in the endless deserts. <laughs> and the dwarves are not Japan and are broken up into four rivals with really stupid names like the Ramenjin or the Noodle nice. People, <laughs> where their biggest export is fan comics of different existing franchises, and they are constantly at economic war with each other to see who can sell oh the my most. God. Like stupid things like that. It all that that started because of another stupid joke where I noticed I, I was making a half orc cleric. I talked about this a bit in the Tabletop Cheap Rose series. I made a half orc cleric and I noticed, I was like, oh hey, Dutaku, I just noticed something kind of neat. Like the green the green languages, like orc, goblin, uh, troll, kobold, all stem from the dwarven alphabet. So Dutaku was like, that's a neat idea, and then extrapolated from it that Dwarven must be like ancient Chinese, and all the green languages must be like the equivalent of how how the the Chinese language evolved into like Japanese or Korean and all these other different like branches over over hundreds and hundreds of cultural evolution, and that's how he pulled that four sacrifices gambit <laughs> on me, and I I should have known it was too straightforward. <laughs> The whole thing was way too straightforward, so I should have known better, but I didn't. Wait, was this <laughs> but, the half work that became a uh, a pop star? Yes, she became a G pop G pop yeah, star. Pop. <laughs> yes, for, for precisely the same reason. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. You were there. Yeah. I believe you were uh, getting taken taken advantage of by a bunch of pugums too. So yeah, yeah, you kind of were. <laughs> and you went out with a bang, yes. literally. Just pff, nuked from orbit. But uh, hey, you know what? Hats off because uh, you know you left an impression. The character was entertaining, which I have to say, you have a tendency to do. And, and here's a, here's a fun story. Let us talk about the legend of Volkenstein. <laughs> Volkenstein, we played Exalted. This wasn't D and D specifically, but it was similar. Exalted. Uh, we had our professional wrestler, Volkenstein, and this man 
either didn't know fear or just didn't bother looking it up in the dictionary because <laughs> he would do some of the dumbest things purely to prove a point. Oh, yes. I don't know what the point was, but he would prove it. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> and that's the thing. He had huge stage presence. Like everything he did was a meme and it was glorious. It was so much fun. And even though he, he did some boneheaded things like getting his poops cursed, not once, but twice, <laughs> like it was fun. The character became a legend in our circle just because he was this larger than life personality. And I think people are really afraid of breaking out those kinds of characters. Like I think there is such a strong stigma against main character syndrome in tabletop gaming that people are afraid to make these really big personality characters. That's why uh, Carrot is, is, was such a big deal. I was basically like, you know what? I got a thing to do. I am going to become, <laughs> you know, the king of my own, my own kingdom. And how are you going to do that? I'm going to seduce everyone. E- everyone? Hey, I can change gender at will. I will seduce <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Everyone except Alban, who you had this really cool buddy cop relationship with. I want to also point out that the the whole the, the kind of the the behind the scenes crux that I was going with Volkenstein was the uh, it was a man who couldn't and didn't want to, as in the wrestling world, break kayfabe, as one would say. There's always a play that he was always going into, and that's why when there is like, hey. We're, there's a there's a village over there. I wonder what what wait where did Volkshaw and then he's just on top of the he's on top of their stone and he's just posing and going I am here and everyone and everyone's just like okay I guess we're doing this now that's that's <laughs> literally the, that's literally he's like oh I have an audience now okay cool it's time to wrestle let's go <laughs> the, the funny thing was is that you were constantly like hey guys I'm a face I'm a face and yet you constantly were talking trash with him oh exactly constantly <laughs> pulling dirty tricks I'm like no you know you're not a face but you are a heck of a good heel mm-hmm. you you are a really good heel though so. mm-hmm. You, you were a showman, and that was the thing I loved about Wolkenstein, is he was never boring. Wolkenstein was doing something, and everyone wanted to see what it was. <laughs> it was insane, and that was the glorious part about it. It was a roller coaster ride, and those kind of characters make for legendary encounters. And that's the thing. Fiction. <clears throat> okay, okay, I want you guys at home to follow along really tightly because this is really important. It's kind of the entire point of what we've been driving at for 48 minutes now. Uh, <clears throat> fiction is fantasy, and fantasy can be anything. Fantasy, of all things, is not restricted by any conventions. If you want a world where, you know, uh, randomly, the world was born because a meteor hit a volcano, and the world is now the fire world. But within the context of the fire world is this ancient, the, 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 this ancient creature lives within the fire, and literally all he wants to do is go to a beachfront vacation without evaporating in the water. It can be something stupid like that. It can be a, a multi-hour, multi-session, one hundred-hour huge multi-chapter novel because that sometimes fantasy is like that too and sometimes it's my friend being like you have to save the four sacrifices and we're just like okay 
It's like, ha ha, joke's on you. The four sacrifices are a G-pop band, and you're all idiots. And we're just like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Fantasy is anything and most importantly if you take nothing else away from today's episode let it be this fantasy should be fun it should be fun and full of energy and creativity not aping the things that came before if you're going to take out of the pot put more back than you took out i think the one thing that uh I see a lot of people you say, but don't always do specifically because I always see it in certain, as you're talking about in, in a, in, um, in certain shows and stuff like that is, uh, the rule of cool is that if the rule, if mm-hmm. the rule doesn't specify something, just go with the cool, the cool portion of it. Um, certain yeah. games will have, uh, certain games like when we play exalted exalted has a lot of leniency when it's when it's how, like that like i have like and with vocation specifically like i have a, a literal technique that lets me pick up mountains like i could have picked up the the, the tower if i wanted to I didn't want to because it didn't it didn't want to be really fun if i wanted to do it that case it's what it you know it's, it's something i could have done if i wanted to and, and if the dice rolled in my favor or but it's uh but in certain games, it's like when when the rules are structured in certain ways. Hey, sometimes it, but you know, there's always that one little thing. Like, well, I don't like how how do I judge a distance from this and this? It's like I don't know. Just got figure like well, let's just say that the wind picked you up and brought you over there because it, it, instead of bumbling through this for twenty minutes through the rules, you just you made it or you didn't make it. Like it. <laughs> If the rules are the rules are a guide. The rules are more of are more of guidelines. They're not set in stone, blood on the seal things. Yes, need that one. Thank that, that that is such a good summary. Actually, Just, yeah, I need you. I need that one bit from the office with Steve Carell going. Thank you, because yeah, <laughs> you, you nailed it on the head there, Clockwork. I also want to uh, as a. Uh, Another thing too is the GMing. I haven't GMs. I thought about GMing a lot. The problem is I have a bad case of perfectionism where I can't not stop working on something until I think it's perfect, which never comes. Uh <laughs> which I'm and- trying to break, but it's very hard. Um and like I was and it's funny because I had a I have a I have a campaign, I had a small portion of it that I wanted uh, the, the group to play. Um, but again, it's been super hard and I don't blame anybody for anything. It's it, around the world. Everyone's got jobs. Everyone's got things going on. It's, it's life as it is, but it was funny. Cause I was going to run it. Cause it was, cause it was like, I, I thought to myself, like, what if, uh, like, what if they wanted to go that direction? I'm like, well, I have a little guide here where I kind of roll dice and like if something, and if I roll something, I, something will happen. Like I kind of made it in a sense more like as, as I play a lot of MMO in a case, it's like, if they talk to this person, maybe he has a quest, maybe he doesn't really do much. Hey, if they want this direction, maybe they'll run into this character. If the die, if I make a couple of characters, I make a couple of things, you know, like it's, I let the players, I wanted to let the players dictate the choices. And if they kind of decide like, Oh, we're kind of in a rut. And I'm like, okay, well let's, let's start this little story path. As I have a little thing where I'm like, well, this will happen in this town. Let's see if they want to go to the mines suddenly because you know, the cobalt attacked or something like that, or, you know, depending on what exactly happened, like everyone has their own different ways of doing it. I kind of was explaining my pathway of, of if I wanted, uh, if snack and Dutaku were like, well, I want to like, build my own kingdom I'm like well 
all right, we'll figure this out along the way, I guess. I didn't really compensate for this, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that's the thing, though. Ask your players. If the GM doesn't know, ask. The first time we played Shadowrun, I had no idea what I was doing. I, I knew the lore of Shadowrun within greater or lesser extent, and we were all learning the mechanics together. So Clockwork goes, hey, I'm a hackett. And I'm like, cool. How does that work? And he's like, well, it's this. And he basically explained to me. And I'm like, yeah, that looks right, I guess. <laughs> I'm going to, to take your word for that and just go with it. I distinctly remember our first combat. I want to say it was against uh, me versus a bunch of uh, gangers in a yeah. uh gas station and we basically yeah. are like okay so i i fire my gun all right so i got this many hits do they dodge and we basically had to go back and go wait a second we did the entire sequence of combat wrong if yes you we did. got this many hits then their dodge would be this and then their defense against that would be this and oh my they are now dead they do not have armor, therefore you just turn them into confetti. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be a learning experience and people are going to make mistakes. And the most important thing, here's the thing. The, the, I've heard two bits of really good advice, and I'm going to, to, to cite my sources because these did not come from me, much as I wish I was this sagacious. First being, the first coming from uh, Josh Strife Hayes, he said, players... Roll the dice to get results. GMs, roll the dice because I like the clicky-clacky sounds they make. <laughs> you have the right to fudge a roll in the name of the story or in the name of fun. During a particularly difficult shadow run that I put my guys through, there was a roll that should have killed a plot-significant character that my guys were kind of attached to. They... <laughs> Ditaku's character literally adopted this character because <laughs> he felt so bad for her. So, this attack roll is like a minigun mounted on, it's basically like a transformer. Like, this thing is ridiculous. So, it fires the minigun, and I'm like, this damage output is so high, it would flood her damage track like twice over, kind of thing. For, <laughs> and I was like, for the weeaboos amongst you, basically, the, imagine Blade Wolf. If he had a chain gun on his back. Yeah. And he just lit her up. Her damage track would be flooded twice over. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to kill this character. First off, character death is one of those things you talk with your characters, your players about their characters before you even start. Because some players do not like character death and some are like, bring it on. I want to die. Kill me. You know, so you know, figure it if out. She had died my character probably would have continued on and would have become basically it, it wouldn't have been dirty Harry. It would have been like death wish where people, <laughs> people would have died. There would be like a lot of dead people at the end of that. And it was, you know, I, I was, uh, you joked about me being a white hat, but it's like, no, it would have gone very, very black hat. If she had died, it was probably <laughs> the best that she did. But I, I didn't want to kill this character because like, we really liked her. We were really invested and I have future plans for her. So instead I'm like, I am going to take her out of the fight. They're going to lose their mage basically. So instead I made the call. She lost her arm. 
Like basically, she got she tried to dodge, wasn't fast enough, and enough bullets hit so fast and in such rapid succession, she literally lost her arm at the elbow, and she passed out from shock. And this moment triggered something in my players who started rolling really freakishly well. I assume because the dice felt their bloody anger, <laughs> and because this run was one really long, two not well thought out on my part. So that's kind of a my be, and we were down a runner because Clockwork fell down some stairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we've, we've yeah. been over that. We don't need to harp on that. Uh, but. It was, it was one of those emotional turning points in the story. And yes, I could have killed the character. And like Yutaku said, we would have had kind of a butterfly effect in terms of character motivations. But that's the cool thing. I had the freedom to make that call and be like, I don't want to kill this character because I have plans for them. So I'm going to do something that changes status quo in a different way instead. And then the second bit of advice that I heard actually came from Pro Jared. And he said, as a GM, your job is basically to say yes. And the example he gave was, well, I want to wrestle the bear. And he's like, you should say something along the lines of, the bear doesn't know the rules of wrestling, but you can attempt to grapple it, even though knowing this will make it angry, and, and you'll suffer the consequences thereof. It would be very rare that the GM says flat out no, unless there is some viable reason behind it. <laughs> You guys are, are you guys in agreement? Am I am I off and left? So, no, no. I I think I think you're you're on on you're uh, correct. I also want to point out that I like, I want to say that players on their opinion of death varies. I play most of my characters the way I play them with the also the I the in my head, and this is the joke that I made. And I'm assuming this is not in the movie because I know we kind of broke it off from the movie at this point. I mean, but I always play with my characters with the knowledge that I have a second one in the wing if something goes wrong. Um, my drow sorcerer that we were talking about in the game, I was making I was making a play. We'll put this way, I was making a play thinking that an enemies were catapulting themselves over a wall to attack. Lo and behold, it was actually a bomb. Uh, it caught. I did not have the correct spells to correct my mistake, and I did. And I was given an out. I was like, "You could take a mortal." I believe I was given, and he correct me if I. I believe I was given the option of either selling my soul, or taking a mortal wound. I don't remember one of those, or actually, no. It literally PK. was God. God basically came down and went. Dang, you got exploded. Do you wanna do you wanna do you wanna try over? Because oh, I didn't yeah. want to just kill you, kill you. But kill I was me. like, you know what? Nah, that was that was all totally misread the situation. I'll bite the bullet. So I that character I put in the dead section and I pulled out my druid and I'm like, all right, let's call. Let's see if we can let's see if character number two can fare better than just a couple of sessions. We'll see how this works. <laughs> um that was a fun game. It ended yeah. with a giant mech fight. It did, and it was awesome. It yeah, was we had really a giant funny mech because fight I was I was kicking and screaming the entire time because I'm like, I'm not screwing. I'm not supposed to like technology. Like you're gonna like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but 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 that's the thing. Like 
the, 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 the more than the movie, the entire point we've been trying to make is fantasy is big. Do not put fantasy in a box. Oh. Do, first of all, don't put fantasy in a coffin. <laughs> and like, there is so much you can do. And these are just some examples. These are just random things that we just picked out of the air. Like a good example of this was actually when I did Scarlet and Itaku did. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Valentinian, I'm sorry. Uh, I should know that thing is how the two are like if you, BFFs. If you're talking about <laughs> my my Dawn case, yeah, it's Valentinian. Yes. Yes, because both ideas started from, let's take a very general concept and build a character from that concept into something more interesting. And Valentinian was a knight, and Scarlet was a pirate. And that was literally, we started with one word each, and built characters based on those concepts that ended up becoming really interesting and compelling characters. Well, the Valentinian became really good at the defenseless maiden bit, despite being a war grizzled veteran. I, I was going to say, I mean, the entire idea I had was knight on a horse. So, I mean, hmm. I I did part of that. Got to have Brindanus, yeah. yes. Oh, and uh, the joke I wanted to make was that because I don't believe it's in a D and D movie, unless someone wants to correct me. But I always I always made the joke like they need to have a character die. And then the actor come back as a completely new character that they don't know. <laughs> that that would be great. And, and you know, that really would be very in spirit of D&D. Uh, but you know the one thing they did do, I would say, really, really well in regards to making it very much like a D&D campaign is that they literally get the story explained to them and they still don't know what's going on until the villain is already enacting their master plan. <laughs> It is outstanding how much like a real D and D game it is, just because That's, of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. See, the problem is, is that you know, if it was if this was a Detaku game, you would have you know a Pugum off to the side, being really passive, passive aggressive, being like, "You guys are dumb. You need to go over there. <laughs> you guys don't know what you're doing. You don't I know stole what you're doing. your wallet." <laughs> Again? God dang it! Oh, that's just a bridge too far. <laughs> that's just a bridge too far now, isn't it? Yeah, it's like the, the 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 broad point here is fantasy is big. Maybe I'll even name that the episode that fantasy is big. These are ideas that we've come up with in, in rather relatively short order, I would argue. Like we, we didn't spend huge swaths of time creating these characters. The only one that I, I think I kind of overplanned might have been Albin. Uh but even then, like I really enjoyed playing Albin because he was just, I hate guys. I'm like this super smart character who is super emotionally deadpan, but really weirdly like full of himself. Certain traits just evolved because I played the character. Like uh, his being a huge egotist came later, and originally his flaw was supposed to be that he was a coward and wouldn't engage oh, in man. fights. And then I pretty much immediately threw yeah, that out the window say. and instead changed it to people challenging his expertise. Instead. I was about to say you. Uh... Uh, are, are you sure about that? Because there were more than a few times where you're like, are you sure you want to do this? Yes. Uh, all right. <laughs> but, you know, when you go through the wheel of reincarnation, don't blame me. I also, I also <laughs> yeah. want to point out that I've had, I think, my two biggest turns when it comes to character creation with the, the steps of my first character was a mage who also knew and in in, in, um, in exalted not in D D. uh i don't even remember his name because he was so bad uh who was a jack of all trades and a literal master of none could not do anything correct uh, even though i was building him to do these things it was not 
Sorry. I it did not work out in my favor at all, and the character ended up just being a giant flub. And to be perfectly honest, through most of the session, I wasn't really having that much fun and in my head because I was like, man, this character, I I definitely need to do some different things. And then my second character, my third character, uh, Volkerstein, I was like, big fight, kayfabe. Let's see what happens. Are you and talking about there them? Are you talking oh, Zen, about them? And yes, Zen. Oh God. Yes, yeah, Zen. Zen. I couldn't. Oh, I couldn't remember either. Yes, I hate f- there was oh. there was uh, Ivan Drago of the thousand backstories because we we kept adding things to your backstory and you were just like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. And then there's Zen, the cultist leader without a clue. Oh yes. Uh, and also, if you play with these guys and you don't have like some sort of story to your character, they will make one up on the spot, and that will be your story. Uh, I did not like I was not very good at making backstories. I had to do it very quickly because, yes, my character's backstory became very, very, uh, yeah. <laughs> I came from a peninsula. No, wait, it was an island. It was a giant dumbbell shaped island. Yes. And everyone there is incredibly swole. In fact, protein powder is our currency. Everyone needs protein powder. In fact, there's a civil war right now in order to get protein. Yeah, yes, this is all a thing that happened just because his character didn't have a backstory. So, yeah. Um, yep. And that's why, like, Volkstein worked a little bit better because I had a, a, a somewhat of a backstory. That wasn't totally, you know, I kind of just making up on the spot in a, in a sense, but then also just the, the the crazy, silly antics and everything that I would get into. So I kind of put that more thought into it where or the, the point I'm trying to make is that as they were, as they said, is that you can, you start out with the word, you start out with the concept and you just build from that doesn't have to be giant or elaborate. You can kind of just make it you can kind of just make it as you go along too, as long as you kind of have the idea in mind. It's just, it just really kind of depends on how your how the story kind of goes as well. <clears throat> Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you, like I said, like a lot of it's communication. A lot of it is figuring it out as you go. And Sometimes plans change midstream. That's the beauty of fantasy. It's adaptable. Mm-hmm. Like you, you want a dragon waifu and your your stock shonen protagonist save the world story. That's fine. Make it a good story. Make it entertaining. You don't have to reinvent the wheel to tell a good it's- story. What you should absolutely not do is follow every stock cliche to the point where you don't even have a story. You have a parrot reciting phrases that it heard over the course of its life. And the last one is, and then I watched critical role. You know, it's funny that you like, I know I'm bagging on those guys a lot, but like, you know, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, dragon waifu, because there is actually a situation whereupon uh, noodle was playing D and D with me. And uh, there was, he was, he had this little Hamlet and he was trying to, um, you know, make it into a, a good fiefdom and he kept getting attacked by kobolds. And so he, <laughs> he decided to, to counter raid the kobolds, which then led to them, uh, their boss coming down from the mountain and proceeding to angrily yell at him outside 
Whereupon he realized, first off, this was a dragon. This was a female dragon. Uh, you know, this this female dragon isn't destroying my house, my you know place. Also, this female dragon's kind of dim. So he basically talked her down and then started courting her. And then, yeah, he basically got a dragon wife. Nice. Yeah. Nice. White dragon, white dragons, Mang. They're not particularly smart. <laughs> so, yep. Well, I mean, I think I think we kind of covered the theme of today is really well. So, uh, how about we go around uh, share some quick tabletop stories each to to round out today's episode? All right. Okay. So, uh, Clockwork, you you we've kind of been talking over you a bit this episode. So, why don't you go first? Uh oh, man. Uh, my first. Uh, I want to share the story because I don't know if I shared it on podcast before or did i ever share the one with my buddy korgoth the barbarian and the orcs on po- uh i don't i don't think so you've done it on so podcast, i have a friend man. uh his name is uh he is his his online name is he goes korgoth uh the barbarian because he played a Korg- uh, barbarian and um and the the funny thing is is that uh it's based off of my stepdad's character who was so who got so powerful in AD&D it was either two edition or AD&D that he was practically unkillable much super good items from playing with friends that his character like he could destroy apparently he could destroy great worms with a single strike i don't know of oh, the legend of the legend of korgoth um so my buddy decided to make a character of it uh our first D&D game i was DMing with a couple of friends and to kind of show off the cuff, it was they were in a they were in a dungeon and they were fighting a couple of sorry it wasn't orcs it was, it, no it was orcs sorry it was they were fighting a couple of orcs and my friend was like like cool we defeated the orcs orcs I was like and I was like okay so uh, what do you guys want to do now he's like can I cut their heads off I'm like okay <laughs> and then I'm like go ahead do that and I was like okay can I put them on my shoulders and I'm like okay you put them on your shoulder he's like do i get anything and it's one of those things where you're in your head you're like your your logical goes, no you just put a bloody head on your shoulder and then your creative side goes okay i'll let you get a temporary one ac if you decide to to, to have a to use one of the or or skulls as a like shields quotation mark for what you what if you use it they get destroyed he's like awesome so he collected skulls throughout the entire run <laughs> because he kept giving him one AC every time he, he would use it uh, to defend himself because he didn't have such a high AC because he was a barbarian. <laughs> nice. Nice. See, that's, that's the thing. Like, if you can make your GM laugh, you can probably get away with anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how we treat each other all the time. You talk about be like, Wait, I have this great idea, and I'm like, "Oh boy, I'm about to regret this, mm-hmm. aren't I?" And he's like, "Yes." Yeah, that's probably the reason why Clockworks D and D game is never, you know, going to happen. It's because he's like, "Yeah, I'm going to play D and D, and it's going to be great." 
Oh, <laughs> players are immediately going to pick apart whatever plot I have. And are basically, gonna, you know, no, forward now. We're going to go and you know start like an Italian job stealing things from people. How could you pick up a, a plot apart if there's no plot at all? But you are the plot all along. Ooh. The plot was the friend you made along the way. <laughs> my mind is blown. All right, Itaku. Oh, your man. Turn. See, the problem is most of my really good stories have already been told. I mean, I suppose the one story that I haven't actually said is I had one of my earliest characters was a half-dragon elf. And the, the beautiful thing about a half-dragon elf um, is the fact that they live for stupidly long periods of time. And because of that, and I started looking at the rules, uh, whereupon I'm like, wait a second, if she's a half-dragon elf, and they live stupidly long, and I, you know, I'm supposed to be, you know, a, a young adult at this point, that means I'm like, 800 years old at this at this juncture and so there were so many situations whereupon we had a, a tiefling uh wizard in our group and they're like yeah and your grandmother you know summoned one of the the lords of hell and that's the reason why you're a tiefling and i'm like yeah and i was there for that and they're like what I'm like yeah no i could be there for that i'm 800 years old and so basically everything that happened within the world, I was like, yeah, I was there for that. I was there for that. I was there for that. <laughs> basically, I was like the Forrest Gump of, you know, this this D&D world. Just everything important. I just happened to be involved in somehow. And the DM was just so impressed by my brazenness that he just let me get away with it. Nice. Uh, the, the one problem with being a half-dragon, they have stupidly high level adjustment. So there got to a point when everyone else was about level 5, and I was still level 1. Yeah. Yeah, let me tell you that that level, that, that second level, man, that was, uh, that was pain. But on the other hand, I got a lot of neat things that everyone else didn't get. I had stupidly high stats. My uh, strength was like 25. Um, Oh, jeez. And on top of that, I got a once per day uh, breath attack, which I want to say was a fire attack because um, I had a bronze dragon as my parent. So. Okay. Yeah. So. So I guess it's time for my story. Uh, I will share one. I, I've told Dutaku and Clockwork this story, but I have not gotten to share this one because it was not with the Tomodachi Bros that this story happened. I was actually playing with some other friends, and uh, we were doing Vampire uh, Dark Ages. This is an old world of darkness, not the cruddy new editions. So. <laughs> I made a Gone Girl, and I joined into a game that was already underway. Sorry? Oh, I just, oh, the, the New World of Derpness. Sorry. <laughs> yes, New World of Derpness, which is nowhere near as awesome as the Old World of Derpness. So, I made my Gone Girl, and I really like Gone Girl. Gone Girl and Bruja are kind of my go-to vampire clans. Just, 
I like being the hero, okay? My power fantasy is being able to help people and sympathize with their plight. So, so I go into this game not really knowing too much about it, other than the fact that this was Victorian era and things were, were already kind of crazy. Because like one guy was like freeloading with a circus troupe. He was basically their strong man. And he was a vampire. So like of course he was like stupid strong. So of course like I was like, okay, that makes sense. That's cool. And like one of them was a noble, one of them was a thief, and one of them I don't remember what her deal was. At any rate, I joined the party, and the thing that I immediately notice is my entire backstory is geared for a very heroic, you know, hey, maybe we should keep a low profile, not let humans know that we're real, and also not let huge, horrible, nightmare-induced monsters eat them all. That would be bad. Uh, the party I joined, on the other hand, was doing some straight-up debauchery. And, and we're talking like slaughtering dozens and dozens of humans at a time and, and bathing in, in the blood and viscera. And I'm like, y you know who does this? Followers of the Beast. And uh, this upset my gangrel sensibilities because he uh, he didn't like that, no. <laughs> See, my... my my excuse to get out of trouble was his character was from Australia and he would spout gibberish if ever questioned on his motivations, which was my way of, of avoiding social situations because my social stats were absolute nil. And so if anyone like tried to grill me with even the slightest bit of social standing on their stats, I would immediately crumple like a house of cards and tell them everything I know. So spouting gibberish was my way of avoiding having to have this come up because they would get frustrated with me and give up. So after a while of, of sticking around these guys long enough to witness this horror show that they were, they were party to, I, I asked the GM separately, and I'm like, hey, you know, this really runs counter to my character, but I think I can put a really fun and interesting spin on this. I want to kill my party members. And I don't normally do this. I'm not normally that guy. But the game was kind of approaching its end, and we were talking about finding a suitable way to end the story. And at the, around this point in the story, there was a particular mountain range, I want to say somewhere in, I, th I think it's like now modern-day Germany, I think is what it was. And they found basically this casket inside of this mine shaft that was like surrounded by death traps and weird arcane rituals that made that normal mortals would just like die and get eviscerated if they went anywhere near them. And the horror dawned on me, that's a coffin of an antediluvian. We're all going to die if this opens. It will literally be Book of Gehenna stuff, even if the Book of Gehenna is one of the dumbest splat books that White Wolf has ever been responsible for. Oh, come on. It's really dumb. Come on. It had, <laughs> it had giant fleshcraft Cthulhu that rises up out of Manhattan Harbor. <laughs> It eats New York City. It has scientific um, time-traveling Solot who takes over the Tremere from the inside and goes, Ha! Fooled you, bro! I This was my plan the whole time. Book again is so stupid that it wraps around to being yeah. great. I, I, will, I will say that. It, it is pretty great. So... I'm like, okay, that's an antediluvian coffin. They want to open it. They get this idea in their head that this is the best possible course of action. I'm like, I am literally going to have to pick between my party mates and the entire world. So, yeah, I don't like these guys very much, so I'm going to start my plan. So I start my, my plan with Divide and Conquer, and I help them get the idea 
in mind, oh, we need to split up and, and, and take care of some, some last-minute business to ensure that, that everything is covered for and accounted for when this, this coffin opens and the party starts. And I don't think they knew this was an antediluvian. Like, the, a lot of the people who were playing were kind of new to the game, and their vampires had similar standing in society. Uh, my character was a little more privy to these things. He was a little more worldwide, a little older than he let on kind of thing. And so I'm like, okay, what do we do? So as they're splitting up, I'm I systematically hunt them all down. And to make a long story short, I do kill them because Gongrel are really lethal. Protean at high levels is one of the most deadly disciplines you can get your hands on. Like literally, you can turn your your hands into claws that just do aggravated damage and like eat armor. <laughs> so that's what I did. And Afterwards, everyone, everyone in the party kind of got salty at first, and they're, they're just like, dude, what, what are you doing? And I'm like, okay, out of character, you guys are trying to destroy the world, okay? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and afterwards, when, it, when this, the story finished with me dynamiting the mineshaft and collapsing it in on itself, hopefully never to be reopened again, and my character just gets on a boat and heads back to Australia to never be seen again. And, and like afterwards, they're like, okay. That was a little cool. We'll give you like it was a little cool that you were able to pull it off because the GM told me, yes, you can kill them, but I'm not going to shelter you if they kill you first. And I said, fine, <laughs> I can deal with that. So, yeah, that was quite an adventure for me, and I only had a few sessions to save the world, and I did. I did save the world, and canonically, at least in my head canon, this character is around somewhere doing god only knows what probably spouting more gibberish at confused people my, my aussie slang was not that refined <laughs> i had not actually met i had not met lona ranger at this point so i i could not have relied on him for help so i had to just basically mumble things that i think i heard steve Irwin say at one Aren't point or another roll, like attuned to animals like wouldn't we could like hang around yeah. kangaroos at night and stuff like that uh, I, I never actually confirmed or denied that I did anything of this sort. <laughs> but I guess it's because like the, the explanation I had is he's older than he looks. His father was British. His mother was Aboriginal. And so, yeah. And he, he, so he was just kind of a very strange man to begin with. And then apparently being turned just did him no favors and he would just continue being really super weird. Uh, but he did have a moral compass and he, he didn't, he only hunted if he had to. He wouldn't kill people if he like absolutely could avoid it. So, so yeah, my hand was kind of forced, and, and part of it was because the GM did not adequately explain what my party mates were up to. Mm. <laughs> communicate, communicate, mm. communicate, communicate. That is the golden rule of anyone who gets in the tabletop fantasy, regardless of the tabletop mm -hmm. game. I always think it's just funny because, like, when I talk about uh, World of Darkness. I was like, oh, I bet you played Tremere. And I'm like, how would you guess that I would play the Blood Wizards? Hmm. <laughs> the, the, the Wizards, yes. Gosh, I, I can't imagine why Clockwork would like hmm. them so much. <laughs> Although it, when I was playing uh, Bloodlines for like the 800th time, I was playing Adventure. Uh, and that was pretty fun, too. Just being able to socialize through everything. Uh, you mentioned it. Someone has to reinstall it now. <laughs> Oh man, I haven't played Bloodlines in a while. <laughs> I already have it installed. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, yeah, like, 
That's all I really trying of, to say. Oh, also and, speaking of of to my uh, ear to the floor gaming knowledge, to my uh, from what I know, even though it hasn't been talked about for a long time, Bloodlines Two is still not dead. Uh, it is being developed by a new team because the old team apparently was doing a terrible job, apparently, uh, and they've just been radio silent trying to build it from the ground up again. So hopefully something comes of that. <laughs> I don't know. I it could be it could be vaporware at this point. I mean, truly, they you know we haven't heard anything in a very long time, but you never know. I still hold on the hope that we can at least get a decent Bloodlines too if they really want to revive it. Yeah. No, I, that, that, that's hope springs eternal, and and there's a possibility that it's not complete garbage, mm. but like modern White Wolf, man. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not it's not great. Nope. But uh, uh, here, here's a little forecast for what you can expect come October. I actually discovered there was a Hunter the Reckoning game on the GameCube. I, I literally did not know this existed until fairly recently. You know, they, but I, I, uh, I was going to say they actually released a werewolf game not too long ago. It's oh, not really? really good from what I understand, but I mean, you know, if you want to, you want to be a uh, eco furry that you know rips people apart, rips literal Captain Planet villains. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I have that game. It's a visual novel. That's. Such a uh, most of the new, most of the newer uh, vampire, the masquerade games that have been coming out. A decent amount of them have been visual novels. Uh, they've been pretty. I for visual, I don't. I'm not a connoisseur of visual novel well, by any by any means. But I like what they do with some of them. Um, like they have really good. Like I think the visuals are pretty cool, and the and the music is very tonal to like. You know, um, modern, uh, like let's say, mod- quotation mark, modern day, a vampire of the masquerade in the sense, like, you know, it's in the modern day setting. It's in, like, you know, LA or something like that. Um, the one game that also came out, uh, Blood Hunt, that's been out for a while, is the one that I thought was the funniest. And everybody who knows vampire or uh, the masquerade is like, why would a bunch of vampires be jumping around with AK 47s and sniper rifles and like b- blatantly breaking the masquerade <laughs> to kill everybody to become the number one in the battle royale? And I'm like, that's a good point. Why are we doing this and why are we hunting everybody in this giant circle? <laughs> you know. Weirder things have happened. Yes. Uh, I will honestly, so, I don't know if, you know, it, it was kind of a thing of like, hey, Fortnite's popular. Let's, you know, do that, but with, you know, the veneer of World of Derpness. Mm. But yeah, the, that, uh, that's, really where, that's really where I kind of got. And honestly, I mean, this this is just me being you know, kind of salty because they're never in the games. But, you know, it's always, it's always Gongrel, uh, Tremere, and Ventru. Well, Asombra never show up. If they're a bad vampire, they're always his meats. So, you know, just shaking my head. I'm sorry, I need to make a quick correction. Uh, Dotaku is right. 
or half right. The newest game that came out is the visual novel Werewolf the Apocalypse Earthblood is a third person werewolf game. And it's not the newest one, but it is new. It was, it was released in February 7, 2022. Huh. It's on. Okay. It's on Steam. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, gents. Uh, I think that'll be all for today. So uh, how about we go ahead and do our sign-off? Let's start with you, Mr. Clockwork. Have a good one, guys. See you on the internet. Jutaku. I am underneath your bed, judging you. Like the Pugum you are. That's right. And remember, he can't hurt you if you're under the blanket. Only parts that are not under the blanket can be attacked by Pugums. That's how oh, this works. I'm that's a lie. He need, he, he need I might it. feel, you know, your couch change. <laughs> oh, that's right. Pugum. Pugums wouldn't attack you violently. They, they would attack you psychologically or emotionally. Yes. You know, You're like, hey, I see your internet search history, and I'm judging you for come it. Come on, man. Really? Clown <laughs> feet? Ew. I'm, I moved an item in your house. I'm not telling you which item it is. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> You'll have to figure it out. I'd like to play a game. So... Thanks, everyone, for, for enjoying thus far. If you made it to the end, please like, comment, subscribe, and do all the things that YouTube hack shills like myself have to beg you to do every episode because it helps us with the algorithm. Thanks for joining us, and see you again next week for more Tomodachi Bros. Which bros? I don't know. We will never know until it happens. And we'll see you Bye. Later. Thank you for listening to the Tomodachi Brothers Review Podcast, produced and recorded by The Hipster Snack, Ditaku, and Cog. Sound design and editing by executive producer Sean Taylor Brown with Cog Sound Engineering. Music written and performed by Sean Taylor Brown with Costas Voss of Core Inside Studio on the drums. We hope you enjoyed this episode. See you next time.